0: This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Sometimes it's hard to do. Some would say, how, how in the situation that we find ourselves in, how can we rejoice? How can we be glad in the situation that we're in? This morning, we'd like to spend some time talking about that very thing. This pandemic that we're going through, It's hard the isolation that we're going through it's hard we're not used to that it's starting to get to us a little bit and by now most of us know someone that's suffering because of this whether it be they're sick whether it be they've lost loved ones whether they they're having to be in isolation from loved ones uh, whether it be they've lost their jobs Most of us have been affected one way or another from this by now, or or know someone close to us that has been. And the question is, how can we be glad in this? How can we continue to rejoice? Well, through this, we can grow spiritually. Through this, we can be better. If we love God and put him first, have an eternal perspective, we can. It's our prayer that through all this, we'll be better. We can be better as individuals. This time that we've had together uh, with our families, probably uh, more time than what we typically have. We, We can grow spiritually as families and be better. Our communities can be better from this. Our nation can be better from this. The church, we can all, there can be good from this. And we can grow spiritually and be stronger. And that's our prayer that that will indeed happen, and when we come together again, it's going to be a wonderful thing. In First Thessalonians 5 and verse 16, Scripture says rejoice evermore. As Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica in, in his first letter and, and as with some of his closing comments, he tells them to rejoice evermore. Rejoice means to be glad, to feel or show great delight. And we understand this emotion and there's times that we do this and, and, and we're glad of that something good happens in our life something good happens for a loved one and creates this happiness creates these feelings that we want to rejoice that we're happy and we're grateful for those times and grateful for those things but we're supposed to do that ever more. is the command evermore means at all times it means always reject rejoicing evermore should be our attitude. As we think about attitude, what is attitude? Attitude is the way we think or feel about someone or something. And as a Christian, our attitude towards all people and life in general should be an attitude of rejoicing, of being glad, of feeling and showing great delight at all times, always. Rejoice evermore. That's a tall order. It's not always easy for us to do, but attitude is so important. Attitude is said to have inward roots, but outward fruits. It comes from in here, it comes from our mind, the things we think about, and it's something we have to consciously do. We know those people that have bad attitudes, it's bitter all the time, that it's hard for them to have a good influence on anybody. We don't want to be like that. We want to be someone that has a good influence on those that we're around. But we have to consciously decide and work at doing that and be a spiritual mindset, inward roots, and then it has outward fruits by the things that we say, the things that we do. Attitude is said to be our best friend or our worst enemy. You know, that affects the way that we we approach things. If anybody knows me very well, I'm not... I don't have a great attitude towards technology. And because of that, I haven't learned it. It would be very helpful and beneficial to me if I would learn more. And through all this, the last month or so, uh, my knowledge of technology has probably quadrupled uh, because it's had to be any in the job that I have. But it's not been easy and the reason it hasn't been easy is really because my negative attitude towards it. But you know fishing? I love to go fishing. You know, I can go out and fish all day and not get a bite and just enjoy, enjoy every minute of it because of my attitude, because of my attitude towards it. Yet I know people have close friends that don't care for it at all, don't understand that. And you know, we're all different. The attitudes that we have towards something is something that we develop. But our attitude as a Christian needs to be that we rejoice evermore. As Christians, we should be the happiest people in the world. We should rejoice and be joyful. We should be happy, even now. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18 says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. This has been mentioned the last two weeks because it's important. We need to pray without ceasing, we need to be thankful and this is god's will for our life it's important we don't have control over a lot of things but this is something that we can do is pray and be thankful and know that it is god's will and christ jesus concerning us we would like to look at some examples rejoicing in Acts, the second chapter of the day of Pentecost. Uh, most of us are very familiar with this day and this, what was happening here. But after the day of Pentecost, after the three thousands were added to the church and obeyed the gospel, we find that these people were very, very happy. They were excited. The scripture tells us that they continued in the apostles' doctrine as the, as the apostles taught them. They continued in those things, thought about those things, practiced those things. They continued in fellowship and in praying, sharing all that they had with one another. They were grateful. Inward roots, outward fruits. They felt it. It was inside. It was a way that they wanted to live. It was an attitude that they had, rejoicing. And because of that, what was the result? Acts 247, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church today such as should be saved. That's what the result was. And that should be the result of our lives today. Is it creates more Christians? It has a positive effect on others. On the day of Pentecost and the time after that, people wanted that. They wanted that feeling. They wanted that rejoicing. They wanted that hope that the the church had then. And the church grew and grew and grew. Our rejoicing is not determined by our outside circumstances that we have very little control of. But it comes from inside. It comes from our will to rejoice. It comes from praying and it comes from being grateful. In Acts, the 8th chapter, we see another example, the Ethiopian unit. We remember the story how, how Philip was told by an angel uh, to go south. There's a road between Jerusalem and Gaza, and that's where he should head to. And doing that, he runs in uh, to this Ethiopian. This Ethiopian was uh, had been in Jerusalem, was headed back home from, from worshiping, and he sees him studying so Philip goes up to him, and you don't ask him, do you understand what you're saying? And, Philip, and then the, the Ethiopian asks him to, to join him. So they began a spiritual discussion, and it says that Philip preached Jesus. And in preaching Jesus, we know that he preached the gospel of Jesus. Because when they came to some water, uh, uh, the Ethiopian said, you know, here's water. Why don't I get baptized? Philip said, if you believe, you know, let's do this. And I did. And when they were come out out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. This was a happy man. This was a man no longer lost in sin. It was a man that was forgiven. It was a man that was justified before God. Was he concerned about his money? Was he concerned about his job? Was he concerned about disease? Do you fill in the blanks? No. At that eternal perspective, what was most important, and that was that he was justified before God. He was forgiven for his sins. He was a child of God, and he rejoiced in that. That was all that really mattered. That's all that really matters Us. We can remember and keep that eternal perspective from difficult situations and to rejoice evermore. We'd like to look at reasons to rejoice this morning. And we're going to find this in Romans, the fifth chapter. If you have a Bible with you, you might uh, leave it there. Uh, we'll be having the scriptures there, but we'll be going back and forth and, and looking at these first 11 verses. Because in these verses, it is just full of reason after reason after reason for us to rejoice. And I think it, it's, been a, it's been good for me to look at these things, remind myself of these things, through, through difficult circumstances, that will help us uh, have a good attitude, that attitude of rejoicing. A previous in the chapter, we, we we could see that Paul had just finished <clears throat> explaining salvation through faith, and that being without the law. Um, back in the fourth chapter, the last verse, Romans four twenty-five, 25, um, speaking of Christ, he says, "...who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again..." For our justification. And then he goes into these reasons to rejoice. Let's read that. Romans five again in verse one. It says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith and to this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in mm-hmm. due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some will even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by, by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. How can we not rejoice as the children of God? Romans 4.25 again, speaking of Christ, who is delivered for our offenses, And was raised again for our justification and that's the first reason we want to look at we need to rejoice because of the justification that we have with God verse 1 again says therefore being justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ we as God's children are justified by faith Justification means that we're free from guilt and acceptable to God. What a blessing. And Because of that justification, we have peace with God. Sin separates us from God. It makes us enemies of God. That should be terrifying. He is the creator of all things. He creates us. That's something we don't want. But because of our justification with God, sin doesn't have to separate us. And it doesn't when we obey the gospel. We're no longer enemies, but justified. Number two, we need to rejoice because of the grace of God. Verse 2 says, "...by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God." We need to rejoice because of the grace of God. It's by that same faith that we have access into God's grace. only way anyone is saved is by the grace of God. Romans 3, verses 23 and 24 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We all sin, and we all need redemption. The definition of redemption is the price paid for us instead of the actual price price paid instead of the actual price that's what we have well what's the actual price the actual price is death that's the wages of sin that's what we deserve that's justice but rather than justice we have redemption a price paid instead of the actual price that's awesome Ephesians the second chapter Verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together by Christ. By grace are ye saved. And then down in verse 8 it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation is nothing that we can earn, it is given. It is a gift freely given when we were most undeserving we're saved by faith by grace through faith and that should spur us that should spur us to action that's what faith is is hearing God's Word and obeying it remember Hebrews 11 all those those heroes of faith that we can read about by faith they did something. What did they do? Every one of them obeyed God. There was action in their lives because they heard God's word knew his commandments and did those things that they were told. And all that works together. That's what faith is. <clears throat> faith and grace working together to give us that redemption that we have in Christ. Number three, rejoicing in tribulation. This goes completely against human nature. Completely against human nature. It's something that we have to develop. It's something we have to grow into because it's not natural to be thankful, to be grateful, to rejoice when things are hard. That's not easy to do, but as we become more spiritually mature, Well, we're able to do that. Romans 5, verse 3 says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Even in tribulation, a Christian can and should rejoice. What is tribulation? Tribulation is a cause of great trouble or suffering. This COVID-19 virus, it's a cause of great trouble and suffering. It's not easy. But well, why can we rejoice in this? Because it brings about spiritual growth. It's been said that does not destroy us makes us stronger. If we can allow all this, these uncertain these uh, circumstances that we've talked about this morning, that we've prayed about this morning, that are difficult circumstances, but good can come from it. Good can come from financial difficulties. Good can come from disease. Good can come from heartbreak. Good can come from losing jobs. Good can come from economic hardship. Good can come from anything. If we love God, if we trust in Him and look for the good and grow spiritually because of it. It brings about spiritual growth. So verses three and four says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation works patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. It brings about spiritual growth. Because when we suffer, when we when we have to go through things that are difficult, it causes us to grow in patience. James 1, beginning verse 2, says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have for perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, one nothing. Patience is something that we have to work at. It's something that we have to grow into. Many of you, uh, you know, that know me, you'll know, know that I, I work with kids. I, I'm in the education business. You know, was, uh, the first half of my career, I worked with high school kids and with elementary kids. And now I work in the junior high. You know, you can reason with a high school kid. You can reason with an elementary kid. You can't reason with a junior high kid. <laughs> I'm kidding. But it's a challenge, and it was different. You junior high kids, I love you. And I'm kidding. Kind of. <laughs> but it's a joy it's a joy to work with those kids but but it's something that I really had to work on because it was quite different than what I, I was used to and I had to grow and get better at that and one thing that I really had to work on and grow into was patience it's part of spiritual maturity and when we go through tribulations and I'm certainly not equating anything in my job to, to, to real tribulation. But it causes us to grow spiritually. And we should. So that tribulation, it works patience. And patience, experience, and experience, hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. So the next reason to rejoice is hope. Hope this is hope that the world doesn't have. It's hope that the world doesn't understand. It's hope that the world should see in us that despite difficult circumstances, we continue to rejoice. You know, when all of this is said and done, we continue to have hope. When our lives are said and done, there's still hope. When Christ returns and the world is destroyed, there's still hope. And when everything's said and done, hope will not disappoint. The hope that we have in God, in Christ, in forgiveness, in eternity, those things are not going to disappoint us this world there's a lot of disappointment this life is a lot of disappointment we're not going to be disappointed in that hope that we have it's going to pay off greater than anything we can ever imagine first peter the first chapter beginning in verse three says blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled faith is not a way reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of god through faith and due salvation ready to be revealed in the last time wherein you greatly rejoice though now for a season if need be during heaviness through manifold temptation that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes though it be tried with fire might be found into praise and honor and glory at the appearing of jesus christ having not seen you love in whom though now you see him not yet believing you rejoice with a joy unspeakable and full of glory receiving the end of your faith even the salvation of your souls as we look at this passage I want to look at these things that are listed here verse 3 talks about that lively hope that's a living hope a living hope that's a hope that's, that's present in our lives it causes action the apostles after the crucifixion if you go back and study that portion of time between the crucifixion and the resurrection it was a very difficult time for the apostles for the disciples all those that followed Christ they were scared they were in hiding they were crying they didn't know what to do had no direction But the resurrection changed everything. It changed everything. And they were full of hope, a living hope. A hope to an inheritance incorruptible, one that won't go away. Something we might inherit in this life goes away, it goes on to somebody else, destroyed. It's gone but not the hope that we have in this, in this inheritance that's incorruptible, a home in heaven, eternity. Verse 6, wherein you greatly rejoice. We rejoice in that hope. We rejoice in that hope of that incorruptible in, in inheritance, that home in heaven. We greatly rejoice, though now for a season we're in heaviness. We can greatly rejoice even in heaviness for the reasons that we talked about previously. Because our faith has to be purified by fire. It has to be tried by tribulation. Because if we don't go through those things, we can't grow. We don't develop patience if we don't have tribulation. And with the tribulation and the patience, we get experience. And we're able to face those things in life with a good attitude, continue rejoicing. And we have hope. Not sadness and just wrecked when things go bad. We can keep just a consistent life for the most part. There's some ups and downs. But when our hope is in Christ and not in all these things that we can't control, we can rejoice evermore that result is a joy unspeakable it's undescribable, and the end of it all is a salvation of our souls in a home in heaven that's hope fifth reason we want to look at is because Christ died for us the Romans the fifth chapter verse 6 says for when we were yet without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die; yet for a venture for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us, the ungodly. When Christ died, He He died for Peter and James and John. He also died for Judas. He died for Pilate. He died for those that spit on him. He died for those that beat him, scourged him, and made fun of him. He died for those that were yelling, Crucify him, crucify him. And he died for me. Not worthy of it. Ungodly. But he died for me. So that I could have access to his blood through my obedience to the gospel, so that I can be redeemed, so that I can be forgiven. And I need to rejoice in that. I need to rejoice in God's love, because he commendeth his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, he died for us. We need to rejoice in God's love. First Peter 2 and 24 says who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by his stripes you were healed god loves us so much that he allowed jesus to bear our sins christ did everything that he was supposed to do he was perfect he didn't need to pay for sins but he had to pay for sins he was the only one that could pay for sins. And God loves us so much that he allowed him to do that. 1 John the fourth chapter verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God, toward us, because God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation means to appease. It means to satisfy by giving in to demands. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son To satisfy God's demands by giving in to those demands, by suffering and dying and paying our debt of sin. We need to rejoice in God's love. It's a wonderful thing that we don't deserve, but we have abundantly. We need to rejoice because we're justified by that precious blood. Verse 9 says, Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Remember Romans 4.25, how Christ was delivered for our sins and raised again for our justification? It took blood. Blood flowing from His back, from His head from his hands and his feet and his side. That blood flowed for our justification. And by that, that appeased God. We are saved from wrath through Christ, through his blood. Second Thessalonians 1, again in verse 7, says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us, When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. We're going to be on one side or the other of that flaming fire of vengeance. God's children don't have to be troubled because we know we have redemption we know we have forgiveness but those that don't don't obey the gospel of Christ flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel we need to rejoice that we've been saved from God's wrath through our obedience to the gospel. What a blessing that is. We need to rejoice in it. We need to remember how great it is. And it needs to have outward fruits. Like that example we looked at today on the day of Pentecost. How those people acted, acted towards each other, was attracted to so many people that the church, <clears> just grew and grew. We need to rejoice that we're saved from God's wrath. we need to rejoice in the fact that we're reconciled to God verse 10 says for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son much more being reconciled wishes shall be saved by his life reconciled means to restore friendly relations it means to remove the enmity between us and God enmity is hostility <clears throat> Hostile, hostility between us and God. Again, that can be terrifying. But because of Christ, we've been reconciled. We're now friends of God, no longer enemies by the death of Jesus, and we can be his friends, and not only his friends, his children. What a blessing that is, and what a reason to Rejoice. Finally, we need to rejoice in the atonement that we have. Verse 11 says, And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Atonement means to make amends for a wrong by paying money or otherwise helping those that we have wronged. So in this life, when we do something wrong, when we pay for that wrong, when we do something for that person that we have wronged to try to make that right, that's atonement. We make atonement. Our sins is not something that we can atone for. But we join in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. A payment was made, a thing was done to make a total. We didn't have to do it. Jesus did it for us. What a reason to rejoice. What love we should feel as children of God. But we're not also always joyful. We're not always have that attitude of rejoicing. But what keeps us from being joyful? It's worldly care it's worrying about a virus and how it affects us the jobs and again i'm not making a lot of it i've seen suffering suffering families right now and it's hard but we can't let that keep us from that spiritual from that eternal perspective and keeping the attitude of rejoicing in Matthew 6 25 through 34 we're not gonna, we're not gonna read all this um, this morning but we remember how Christ tells them that you know that we shouldn't worry the birds they don't worry they just do their thing God provides for them the grass in the field it's clothed by the beautiful flowers We're much more important than birds and flowers. We've talked about what Christ has done for us. He did it for us, not for birds. Verse 33, he says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. That our failure to keep an internal perspective causes us pain. It causes us to get, go into dark places in our thinking, and our emotions. I'm reminded of Peter walking on the water. As he walked on the water, was, he was looking at Christ, he was focused on Christ, he was listening to Christ, as Christ told him, you know, come on, walk out on the water to me. And he walked out, and he was walking on the water until he lost focus started looking at the storm started looking at the waves rather than looking at christ and he began to sink and that's what we do we can focus on this virus we can focus on the economic insecurity we can focus on all the hardships that's going on we can focus on the isolation and isolation is not easy I think that's affecting probably probably all of us. If, you know, that's used to being around people and a lot of people. I miss you guys. I want to hug you and shake your hand. I want to talk to you face to face. I'm missing that. That's affecting me. But well, we can rejoice. First Peter, fifth chapter. Verse 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. We have to humble ourselves. We have to realize we are not in control. There's so much of this stuff that we can't control that's going on. And whatever happens is is, going to happen. God is in control. But let's cast our cares upon him. Let's give them to him. He cares for us. And that's what He wants us to do. And He'll help us. Romans 8, verse 28. A familiar verse with us. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. What good can come from this? Well... Maybe someone will humble themselves that haven't been humble. They've been counting on themselves, thinking they can handle everything. The Only thing, only one that's gonna get me out of this is me. Whatever the situation, that's the way they get through life and it's a sad and difficult way to get through life. Well, maybe that individual will humble themselves and cast their cares upon God, will turn to God. Maybe a family. That's struggling will humble themselves and turn to God and cast their cares upon Him. Maybe a community will humble themselves and cast their cares upon God, and turn to Him. Maybe a nation that has forgotten in God we trust will learn to trust in Him again. Good can come from this to those that love God. We can be bitter, we can be sad, we can have the wrong attitude, and good not come from this. Just a lot of suffering. Or we can love God, and good can and will come from it. We need to be an example to the world right now and always. Philippians 2 verse 14, it says do all things without murmurings and disputings that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom we shine as lights in the world. Let's take this as an, as an opportunity to bring glory to God in the fact that others can see the rejoicing that's in our lives, the hope that we have in God. The love that we feel from God, the redemption that we experience and have in Christ. Let's let the world see that and bring glory to God and glory to Christ. In closing, Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. Though these are scriptures that we continue to use week after week, but they're so important. And it's what will get us through this. Beginning in Mm -hmm. verse 4 Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds to Christ Jesus. Hugh mentioned this. Van mentioned this in the lessons. It's what we need to be doing. We don't need to be getting upset and just consumed by this and and let it ruin us and ruin our attitude. We need to be careful for nothing. So many things we don't have control of, but what we do have control of is going to God in prayer. We do have control of going to Him and asking Him for what we need and for what we want. And we need to be patient and grow in patient with whatever that answer is. And when we do that, we can have the peace of God that passes all understanding, that will keep our hearts and our minds to Christ Jesus. And it will give us the ability to rejoice evermore, even now. The lesson is yours this morning. I hope that it's been helpful to you. I know that it has been helpful to me studying these things, reminding me of these things. When I'm down, I need that eternal perspective. If there's a spiritual need that you have, we're gonna put the numbers of the elders. Don't have those this morning. Find us. You can find us in in the directory and uh, give us, give any of the elders a call. We would be glad to visit with you, help you in any way that you could, that we can, uh, with your spiritual needs. And with that, I'll leave the lesson with you and help you have a wonderful day. We'll have a song.